0: At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.
1: Grammar Girl here. This week, I have a quick and dirty tip about Bridget Jones's baby. A tidbit about why we say we hit pay dirt and a meaty middle about how to use and not use M-dashes, and a couple of featured listeners. And now, on to Bridget Jones's Baby. I almost forgot that the movie Bridget Jones's Baby is coming out this weekend until my friend Stephanie asked, Would it be Jones's Baby with just an apostrophe? Or Jones's Baby with an apostrophe S after Jones? Or maybe even Jones's baby with a J-O-N-E-S-E-S apostrophe. It's a great question, and I'm sure other people were wondering too, so here it goes. Since it's just Bridget, she is a single Jones. It is the baby of Bridget Jones. Then you can properly make Jones possessive two different ways. Now, a lot of people were taught one way or the other, but it's actually a style choice. If you're following Associated Press style, you add just a lone apostrophe after the S. But if you're following the Chicago Manual of Style, you add an apostrophe and an S after Jones to make it possessive. Looking at the official name of the movie on the posters, it looks like the filmmakers decided to go with Chicago style because her name is written J-O-N-E-S apostrophe S, Bridget Jones's baby. And that's your quick and dirty tip. You can make names that end with S possessive two different ways with just an apostrophe, or with an apostrophe and an S. It just depends on which style guide you follow. So be sure to look it up. Next, let's talk about pay dirt. Have you ever heard the expression to hit pay dirt? It means to make a valuable discovery or a sudden fortune, but what is pay dirt, and how do you hit it? Well, pay dirt is a mining term. It refers to dirt that has enough ore in it to be worth extracting. It could be iron ore, or it could be gold ore. Either way, you wouldn't bother digging it up unless there's a good chance of finding something shiny. The term pay dirt appeared in the mid-1800s during the California Gold Rush. Miners dug into the California soil, sometimes a few feet deep, sometimes up to 20 feet deep, in search of pay dirt. Once they found it, they extracted it through tunnels and mine shafts if needed and started sifting. A teacher's guide from 1885 describes the mining process like this. Pay dirt is poured into a long wooden trough through which a constant stream of water runs, The water carries away the clay, sand, gravel, and stones and leaves the gold in the bottom of the sluice, where it's caught by gravity. It's caught by gravity indeed. Gold has a high specific gravity. That means it's denser and heavier than lots of other stuff. In running water, gold will sink and stay put while other objects float or roll along downstream. If a miner's pay dirt panned out, he would be said to have struck it rich. Yep, those are two more phrases born in the gold rush. To pan out means to succeed. It alludes to a miner separating gold from gravel in a pan. And to strike it rich means to achieve sudden financial success. It refers to finding a rich mineral deposit, perhaps by striking it with a pickaxe. So that's your tidbit for today. If you hit pay dirt or strike it rich, you just got lucky. And if things pan out, they're going your way. That segment was written by Samantha Enslin, who runs Dragonfly Editorial. You can find her at dragonflyeditorial.com or on Twitter as dragonflyedit. Home isn't just a place. It's a state of mind, like curling up in a comfy chair as you watch the world go by. Good afternoon. Which is why
0: at Delta, our people do our best to make you feel at home long before you get there. Delta, keep climbing. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13.
1: Remember the frustration of trying to memorize vocabulary and grammar rules, only to find you couldn't actually use the language in real life? Well, there's a better way to learn. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program with millions of users learning 25 different languages, and you can get it on your desktop or as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways with its intuitive process. It's really different. You pick up the language naturally, first with words, then the phrases, and then with sentences. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's True Accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Don't put off learning that language. There is no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Grammar Girl listeners can get Rosetta Stone's Lifetime Membership for 50% off. Is it rosettastone.com slash grammar? That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash grammar today. And now, on to the M-dash. When people think of punctuation marks, it's usually the handy comma, the imperious colon, or the overly excited exclamation mark that comes to mind. The stodgy semicolon and sinuous question mark might get thrown into the mix, but rarely if ever will somebody mention a punctuation mark that, while omnipresent, often goes unnoticed. This is surprising considering that this punctuation mark is highly versatile and a favorite of skilled writers. It can add a spice—or a dash, if you will—to a sentence by adding emphasis to certain words and phrases. Of course, I'm talking about the M dash, which looks like two hyphens connected into one long line. Depending on the sentence, the M dash can have a similar function to parentheses, colons, commas, and even semicolons. But an M dash is not the same as these other marks. It brings a different flavor to the sentence and adds a special emphasis that wasn't there before. To show how to wield this handy punctuation mark, I'll start by comparing two sentences—one that contains an em dash, or em dashes, and one that contains another punctuation mark. I'll begin with parentheses, then discuss commas, move on to a semicolon, and finally end with a colon. Lastly, I'll touch on how to avoid overusing or misusing the em dash, which can become tempting once you learn its many uses. So let's start with parentheses versus m-dash by comparing two sentences. First, a sentence with parentheses. Dennis took his car—open parenthesis—a tiny two-door honda (close parenthesis—on a weekend road trip. Again, that's Dennis took his car—parenthesis—a tiny two-door honda (close parenthesis—on a weekend trip. Now, a sentence using m-dashes. Dennis stuffed his four best friends into his car, dash, a tiny two-door Honda, dash, for a weekend trip. That's Dennis stuffed his four best friends into his car, m-dash, a tiny two-door Honda, m-dash, for a weekend road trip. In the first sentence, the fact that he has a small Honda doesn't seem that closely connected to the fact that he took a road trip. Since we don't want to bring too much attention to this information, we keep the information in parentheses but in the second sentence, the size of the Honda is relevant to the road trip. Now he's stuffing four other friends into this small car, so we use m-dashes to add emphasis to the size of the car. It's also important that when you set off a phrase using m-dashes, that you used one m-dash immediately after the noun the phrase is describing and one immediately after the phrase. Don't replace the second m dash, as sometimes people do, with a comma or semicolon. Enclose your phrase in m dashes, one on each side. Identifying how an m dash is used and actually using one in your own writing are two different things, the latter being trickier. Here's a good strategy to use when trying to decide whether to use m dashes or parentheses in your writing. If you find yourself wanting to throw in a little extra information about a noun in a particular sentence, and you're not sure whether the parentheses or the m dash is the way to go, read the sentence out loud. When you get to the information contained between the m dashes, add a little humph as you enunciate each word. Then replace the M dashes with parentheses and reread the sentence without adding any emphasis to the phrase in parentheses. In theory, that's how your readers will interpret the sentence in their own minds more emphasis or humph with the M dash and less with parentheses. For instance, let's say you're writing about a young pianist who mastered the works of composers known for their challenging pieces. You might want to highlight those names. And the M dash allows you to do that. Mastering the works of her favorite composers, M dash, Rachmaninoff, Brahms, and Chopin, M dash, took many diligent years of practice. Remember to add humph when you get to the composers' names. Again, mastering the works of her favorite composers, dash, Rachmaninoff, Brahms, and Chopin, M dash, took many diligent years of practice. If it sounds odd adding special emphasis to the composers when reading the sentence aloud, then parentheses are better. If you were wondering whether you could have used commas in place of parentheses or em-dashes in the previous examples, you can. In terms of adding emphasis to a phrase, the comma falls somewhere between the parentheses and the em-dash in terms of emphasis. Another thing to keep in mind is that many sentences already have commas, so using them to set off a descriptive phrase can make things a little crowded with commas. Let's revisit our Dennis road trip sentence to use as an example. Dennis took his car, a tiny, two-door Honda, on a weekend road trip. See? Lots of commas. An em dash gives you another option when you're dealing with a phrase that describes or elaborates upon a noun but again, use it only when it's clear that you want to add emphasis to a phrase. For instance, in the next sentence, the em dash highlights an unusual and unfortunate fact about this person's friend. First with the commas. Her best friend, comma, indeed her only friend, comma, didn't even send her a birthday wish. Again, her best friend, comma, indeed her only friend, comma, didn't even send her a birthday wish and now with m dashes. Notice the added emphasis on the enclosed phrase. Her best friend, dash—indeed, her only friend, dash—didn't even send her a birthday wish. As we saw with parentheses, when an m dash replaces the commas that set off a phrase, it adds more emphasis, and it also gives a writer the opportunity to avoid comma clutter just as m dashes add emphasis when they take the place of commas or parentheses, so do they add emphasis to an already emphatic punctuation mark—the colon. You want to be sparing in your use of an m dash in place of a colon, and remember that by using an m dash instead of a colon, your style becomes less formal. If that's your intention and you want to add special emphasis to a word or phrase, then use the m dash Take the following sentence as an example. After a thousand miles of sputtering along in his tiny Honda, Dennis could only think of one thing as he approached his driveway— dash—home. Of course, you could use a colon in that sentence, but the M-dash gives it an extra dramatic flair. I wasn't exaggerating when I said the M-dash was versatile. It can even take the place of the semicolon— once again, the M dash adds more emphasis than the traditional punctuation mark. To illustrate, I'm going to reproduce the first sentence of this paragraph—the one I just read, with the dramatic pause, but now with a semicolon. I wasn't exaggerating when I said the M dash was versatile, semicolon. It can even take the place of the semicolon. Again, that's I wasn't exaggerating when I said the M dash was versatile, semicolon. It can even take the place of the semicolon. When I initially read this sentence out loud, I paused slightly longer, reading the part after the m-dash for added dramatic flair. Notice how in the second reading, in which a semicolon came after versatile, that I stated this more matter-of-factly. This reading implies that it wasn't that big of a deal that the m-dash can replace a semicolon. It's up to you, but remember, making a choice that's more apt the semicolon is already a difficult piece of punctuation to navigate, will show off your skills as a writer. At the same time, if you start using em dashes throughout a text to emphasize all your thoughts, dashes start to lose their power, and your writing will come across like one of those amateur actors who dramatizes every single line he delivers, heavy-handed. Another way to overuse m-dashes is by using them whenever a semicolon, colon, or parentheses show up. One mark of good writing is the discerning choices the author makes in punctuation. Defaulting to the m-dash suggests you haven't really thought through why you used the mark in the first place. It also makes your writing look full of dashes, which can confuse the reader. That professional writers mostly know how not to overuse M- dashes might account for why we tend to overlook them. A good rule of thumb: try not to use them more than twice per paragraph. Finally, level of formality is huge. If you're writing fiction or using casual language, like an email to a close colleague, M dashes work well but if you're applying for a job or asking for a letter of recommendation, you want to be careful in your use of the M-dash. Yet, even in these more formal contexts, a well-deployed M-dash can give your writing a dash of sophistication. That segment was written by Chris Lele, who is the GRE and SAT Curriculum Manager and Vocabulary Wizard at Magoosh Online Test Prep. In his time at Magoosh, he's helped students across the globe dramatically improve on these difficult tests. Some have even gone on to get near-perfect scores. And now I have a couple of featured listeners. Roland Denzel wrote an iTunes review that said, It's fun to tune in thinking that I know everything, only to find out some grammar tip, trick, or suggestion that's totally new to me. Thanks, Roland. That's one thing I love about doing this show, too, is that I'm constantly learning new things, like why we say "pay dirt" or why we have both flammable and inflammable. A couple of years ago, my university set up a photo shoot with an organization called Dear World, and how it works is that you write a few words on your body that represent what you most believe, and then they take your picture. It's Dear World This— this is the thing I want you to know or that I most believe. And it's hard to pick that one thing. And in the end, the words I chose were keep learning. That's my thing. That's what I believe. So it makes me happy to hear that people like you are getting that from this podcast. I'll embed the Instagram post of my Dear World photo on the transcript page for this podcast on quickanddirtytips.com. It'll be the dash transcript. Or you can just see it on my Instagram itself, which is the Girl. I've been posting to Instagram a lot more lately, so it'd be nice if you checked it out. Anyway, that's the Girl. Also, a quick thank you to Curious Mayhem, who also wrote an iTunes review and said we've been listening since almost the beginning after discovering Mignon Fogarty's website. And I thought, yes, that's how so many people first see Grammar Girl, after doing a Google search for something like who versus whom or how to use a semicolon, and then later they realize that there's also a podcast. So I'm glad you found your way here, and thanks for listening all these years. And if you run across someone who tells you they like the Grammar Girl website too, be sure to tell them that I also have a podcast. It's a little easier these days, but we've still got to work to get the word out about the podcasts. I'm Mignon Fogarty. Thank you for all your reviews and tweets and comments, and thanks for listening. Want to make
0: Mom's Day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate.